turn your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17. Matthew, chapter 17. Y'all pray for your OCD pastor. Do y'all hear that noise? I'm like, I'm, I'm hearing me say this, and it's going, wow, wow. And I'm like, you need to quit. And inside my head, they're talking. Do you hear me? Yes, I hear you, but I've got to talk to these people. So you ain't no telling what's going to come out today. So give me mercy. And there's no way to prevent stuff like that when you don't know what it is. So light demon quit or whatever it's called. I don't know. Matthew 17, 14. If you're there, say amen. Y'all stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning. And my last little disclaimer, if you happen to see me sparkling up here, don't think I've went bling on y'all. I hugged a precious little girl this morning that was covered in glitter. So don't <laughs> say, pastor got one of them shiny suits. <laughs> no, it's, it's just a regular wool suit, but I got little girl hug on me this morning and I'm all right with it. So I just thought I'd tell you. Matthew 17, 14. And they were come to the multitude. There came unto him a certain man kneeling down to Jesus and saying, Lord, Have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic, sore vexed. For oftentimes he falls into the fire and oftentimes into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. Mark that in your Bibles. The believers couldn't help him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus aside and said, why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Howbeit this kind goeth out, not without having prayer and fasting. You may be seated this morning. One of my favorite verses and oftentimes misquoted is Ephesians 3.20 that says, Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think. And we end there. But it says, according to the power that already worketh in you. According to the power that's already working in you. God does exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think, not by magic. God doesn't do magic. He releases the deposits he's made within you, the deposit of the Holy Spirit, the earnest of the Holy Spirit, and how free he is already operating in your life to do miraculous things in and for you. We, if we're the church of Jesus Christ, we ought to have power. That's not the goal, but it surely has to be a byproduct. We are to be moral, but morality is not power. It takes power in this day and age to live a moral life, but the church satisfies itself by what they don't do when that's part of being a Christian. Being a Christian, of course, means living a a consecrated life, but how can we house God and not express God? God is love. How can we house God and not love people? But God is also powerful, and there ought to be expressions of that. Knowledge is not Uh, the same as power. There's power in knowledge, but having knowledge about God or the things of God is not the same as having burst of divine essence that flow from you to your situation. Wisdom is powerful, but it's not the same as power. 
the idea of this message came this week when I was sharing something very privately with my wife. And it was just, I talk over my being a Christ follower with her often. And I was talking about a specific situation. And I said, sometimes I just feel so powerless to help. And the Lord really convicted me about that. It is okay to experience powerlessness because of our humanity and our frailty, but we should not live powerless. And it's one thing to have wisdom for you, but if all I do is have wisdom or a a gifting or an ability, but I don't have the power of God in my life, then it means something's missing and it's not, there should be balance. We should have the power of God, but surely we should have the love of God and the knowledge of God and the wisdom that flows from God. But in this day, It's not those things that's missing. It's the power expression. Giftings are not the same as the power of God. Success is not the same as the power of God. True spiritual power is not about how loud you can get, but how loud God is in you. True spiritual power is not some preacher screaming, but it's the essence of God flowing out of him or out of you. How loud is God in you this morning? Yes, you're supposed to live consecrated, and we're going to touch on that. But that's not the same thing as an open channel from which power flows from God through you to others. From God through you to your situation. True spiritual power is a burst of divine essence that enters into a specific moment through a person for a situation. True spiritual power negates the schemes, tactics, work, and plan of the enemy. True spiritual power turns defeat into victory, despair into hope, sickness into healing, and strongholds into deliverance. True spiritual power is the catalyst which causes us to triumph in all things through our Lord Jesus Christ. True spiritual power is exercised through supernatural faith and a settled confidence in God. It is bold, not intimidated, and willing to be vulnerable in the eyes of others. True spiritual power never backs down, never backs away, and never surrenders. Listen to me. True spiritual power never backs down, never surrenders, and never backs away. True spiritual power is the direct expression of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. It is one of the divine evidences of God's will in a situation. And it's way more about the moment than the man. Listen, it's way more about the moment than the man. We have access to God's power, but we have no control over it. But the scripture teaches that if you believe, nothing is impossible to you. It doesn't mean that everything is available to you. It just means there's no limitation. True spiritual power can be expressed from God in any given moment because you're connected, you're connected to the vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it cut off. Thank you, Lord. Whatever it was, it stopped making noise. I'm ready to pray now so I can preach my sermon. Y'all ready? God, thank you so much for this morning. And I pray, oh Lord, and I want to be transparent here. I am praying for myself that I would have more of your spirit, more of your power, not to be seen of men, but to be a better representation of who you are in the earth. May power be present in this house. The power of the Son of God in this house to heal and restore and to forgive 
All of these things, may they be such a, an awareness of your person in this house that power would be the natural thing. And I thank you for the opportunity to preach this in such a way that we'll receive clarity and instruction, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Number one, powerless, powerlessness is revealed where power is needed most. This man's son was demon-possessed and the disciples couldn't help him. See, you're not aware of how powerless you are until you need the power of God. And when you need the power of God, you don't need someone to teach you in that moment. You don't need someone to pray for you in that moment. When you need the power of God, you need it and nothing else. No other substitute. I don't need an illustration or a sermon or an exhortation. Sometimes you just need the hand of God to touch you in a specific way. And it's revealed, your powerlessness is revealed when you need it most. It has been said that great storms produce faith. No, they don't. They expose faith. And great trials, great need is the perfect backdrop for God to display his power. What do you do when the doctor's report comes back malignant? When they can't find the heartbeat of the baby in your womb anymore? Or your children have turned away from God? What do you do when the steering wheel of your life has been ripped out of your hands and seemingly out of God's hand? And everything seems to be spiraling out of control? What do you do when heaven is silent and hell is at its loudest? When the enemy's threats are real and continuous and nothing seems poised to stop them? It is in those moments that you look to the essence, the deposited essence, the divine enablement of God's person in you. You look for Jesus to stand up in you and say, I'm the Lord that heals you is who I am. I don't need an idea. I don't need a song to make me cry. When I'm sick, I need the Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals my body. I need the Lord that speaks to things that are not as though they are. I need power. And when you, when you need grace, nothing else will do. When you need forgiveness, nothing else will do. And when you need power, nothing else will do. Power to stand against the onslaught of disappointment, disillusionment, and disapproval. From betrayal, abuse, abandonment, despair, great sorrow, and hopelessness. It takes power to stand. When all hell comes against you with fury and bad news just... It's consistent. Have you ever been in a place where you're afraid to answer the phone? The email on your computer, and you you feel anxiety. Anybody else besides me? One thing after the other. What I need in that moment is God to stand up inside of me, there to be an active power working with me where it's almost like you hear God say, I got this. And having done all, stand. Stand. When you've done all you can do, stand. Well, he knocked me down. Stand back up again. Stand. Let the devil know that if he knocks you down seven times, he can watch a righteous man. You're going to get back up again. Stand. Power. Expressed power that is a commercial for who God is. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead quickens me. And I know regardless of what has happened to me or what's happening against me, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. You can stand. You've been knocked down and you're laying there catching your breath. Catch your breath. And while you're on your back catching your breath, tell the devil, I'll be up in just a minute. I'll be up in just a minute. Watch for it. 
power to persevere and to continue. Paul said, and now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing what all is going to happen to me, except the Holy Ghost tells me that bonds and afflictions and prison awaits me in every city. Here's a word for you. You want a word from the Lord? The Lord told him, in every city you go to, they're going to beat you up, strip you naked, chain you against a wall, and throw you, in, throw you in prison and chain you against a wall. I was hoping for a different word than that. He said, the Holy Spirit's already testified that all of these things are going to happen. Have you ever seen the handwriting on the wall in your family? Where you know this next year, this next two years are going to be tough years. Anybody else? You get the doctor's report. The next couple of years are going to be tough. The daughter you thought would never turn from the Lord turns her back and said, I never believed. And you see the handwriting on the wall and the Holy Spirit says, now this next couple of years are going to be tough. What do you do? Paul made the statement. He said, none of these things move me because God is standing up inside of me, taking me by the hand and said, me and you can do this. You ready? You ready? Power to persevere, to continue. When other people said, I don't know how you made it. I'd have quit by now. Don't tell him this, but look at him. I know that's the difference between me and you. I'm not quitting on my spouse. Amen. I'm not quitting on my children. I'm not quitting on my commitment. I'm not quitting on God. I'm not quitting on my ministry. I am going to persevere. None of these things move me. Your threats don't move me. It doesn't mean they don't hurt me. It doesn't mean they don't at times scare me in the moment. It doesn't mean that the bad news doesn't disappoint me. Paul didn't say these things didn't uh, hurt him or frustrate him. Or even disappoint him. He said, they don't move me. I'm going to persevere. Power to push back, break through, overcome and experience victory. Regardless of the odds. Regardless of how long it's been this way. Regardless of the season or the stage of your life. You have within you the same spirit that brought Jesus Christ up out of the grave. And you can come over, come through and come out on the other side of anything in your life. Anything. How can we be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and not be powerful? In the same way, when God got ready to bring Eve into the world, he opened up Adam's side and pulled out a rib and made this woman to be his helpmeet. And we came out of an open side of Jesus Christ and the church was born and we have his image. We have his likeness. We are made like him the reflection of him. And we're not him, but we're like him. And we may not have the power of God in the fullness as God himself has it, but the DNA is there. And we have access to that power through the name of Jesus. So what have you quit on? If you have the power to overcome, why haven't you come over? The only way you will not win is if you quit. That's it. Now, I can't tell you how long it'll take because sometimes to drive out Hittites, it takes a little longer than it takes to drive out the Perizzites. Sometimes it takes longer to win certain battles. But you're, you're trying to tell me that God's spirit in you can't propel you to victory. The Bible says that he causes us to always triumph through the Lord Jesus Christ. I've had some long fights in my life. I've lost some rounds, uh, blatantly, uh, profoundly lost rounds. 
I'm still here. Did you know that person beside you almost didn't make it? But the life of God in them kept them afloat and kept them persevering and kept them pushing. You can't destroy a child of God because God always causes us to triumph through the Lord Jesus Christ. You have no excuse for not winning. No excuse for not breaking through. No excuse for not persevering. Well, pastor, it's hard. Well, of course it's hard. We're on our way to Zion, the beautiful city of Zion. And there are many dangers, toils, snares, enemies, oppositions. The spirit of this world is against us. But God has given you a promise. He's written your name in the Lamb's book of life. And you are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. Power. Dunamis. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Might. What that word power means is might and ability and strength and capacity, an invisible energy. It's the life, the wind of God, the breath of God, but at a different measure. When he breathed into Adam, he became a living soul. That was to power, if you will, the original Duracell to power his physical body. But the Holy Spirit, this, this dunamis is different than that. It's not life so that we might operate its ability, its strength, its capacity. And no, we don't want to be the people that err on the side of arrogance and act like we're all of that in a bucket of chicken, you know. But that's not our problem. Our problem is not that we think we have more power than we do. Our problem is we're not aware of the power we do have. And we don't walk in it. Power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. Paul surviving shipwreck, landing on the Isle of Malta, and then a snake latches onto his hand. Have you ever had weeks like that? You make it out of shipwreck. (laughs) Anybody else ever made it to land on a little piece of something? There's a little piece of ship just holding on to a little wood. You make it and you get to shore. You're soaking wet and you put your hand out to the fire. And out of the fire, they threw on some sticks and there was a snake in the stick and it jumped and latched on his hand. You ever had that day? And you just go, for real? <laughs> for real? Where's the, anybody else ever live like, where's the candid camera? You know what Paul did? He just shook him off. It's not the time to go, hey, did y'all see what happened to me? I need to Facebook and show the picture, take the picture of the the snake hanging from my wrist and make sure y'all all all know. He said, no, no. The Lord gave me a promise. And if he wanted me to die, I'd have died in the shipwreck. This ain't happening today. It's power. They thought he was was a God when he survived the shipwreck. And then they thought he was a murderer because the snake was biting on him after he survived the shipwreck. And you need to get past what everybody else's opinion of you is and determine that I am the property of the living God and I house his spirit. And snakes may bite me, but they can't kill me. Power to recover what was lost. And experience restoration and what has been taken from you. David, when coming back to Ziklag, I won't tell you the whole story, but listen to this. Came home and all of their wives were gone. All of their children were gone. And all of their possessions were gone. And the city in which they lived was a smoldering furnace burnt to the ground. And the Bible said he wept. They wept until there was no more power to weep. Don't raise your hand. But is anybody else in this room 
that has wept until you couldn't weep anymore. When you've anybody else in the room without responding that has lost everything. And David encouraged himself and the Lord his God and he prayed. Now, here's a man that's lost his wife, lost his children, lost his home. And then the people he's leading are talking about killing him. It didn't get much worse than that. He went alone and encouraged himself. And I'm thankful for the encouragement that other people give me. But you better learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. You need to stop depending on someone else's encouragement. David got alone with the Lord and he talked it over and he said, can I go uh, pursue him? God said, pursue him. He said, can I get back everything they took? He said, get it back. And he fought from twilight until the sun set on the next day. It took a lot of energy, took a lot of power to be restored. And they restored, they got restored back to them everything. Now, let me tell you what I've learned about the Lord, because I have to be honest and fair with you. Sometimes we do not get back the things that were stolen. When people said the Lord will restore the years that the locust and the caterpillar have eaten away. Yes, but I've never seen him make a 40-year-old 20. You follow me? So restoration is not always getting that job back or that person back or that opportunity back. When the Lord restores our fortunes, what it means is he so blesses our life that we are able to have joy and enjoy regardless of the tragedy of our past. Do you have the power to be restored? How long do you want to be known by what you've lost? How long do you want to be known by what has happened to you? Or what was withheld from you? Yes, it's part of our story. And don't ever bury it. But it's not the story. God restores. God heals. God adjusts. God blesses. When David prayed, he said, God, can I go get it back? God said, get it back. And he fought all night to do it. You have power to overcome every obstacle and the enemy that keeps you from your promised land. What God has promised for you. Do you remember when God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt? Did they have to do anything? Y'all speak to me. Did they have to do anything? Just stand still. Lice, flies, murine, boils, river turned to blood, frogs, everything. And Pharaoh said, just go. And then God opened the Red Sea up. Wonderful. Your salvation is the work of God. Just stand still. Hit the tambourine. Dance. Isn't the Lord powerful? Yes. But when you start to enter into God's intentions for your life, he never killed the Perizzites or the Hittites or the Jebusites. He said, go in there and go ahead and fight them and take the land. I've, I've given you this promised land. He goes, uh, there are giants in there. I mean, real big people in there. And they, cons- they will consume us. We're like uh, grasshoppers in their sight. And I don't know who this is for this morning, but you are saved, but you live way below your inheritance because you're afraid of fighting. And God has things set aside for you, opportunities, ministries, relationships, but you think he's going to open a red sea for you into that. And he did that back then, but you have to fight. You have to use the power God's given you and fight for your husband you've not met. You need to fight for your children you've not had. Fight. I am believing God for a godly family. My kids are not interested in God. 
You tell the devil you want to fight, you got to fight on your hands. I'm going to go get alone with the Lord and I'm going to talk to him about your tactics. Fight. You have the capacity. You have the ability. But it may be stifled or stymied or aborted. And that's when I want to talk to you for just a few moments more this morning. You can't be powerful without having a living faith. This passage we read together. Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. A mustard seed is a living thing. It's pregnant with more in it than you can see in the moment. It's kind of like when you pray for an oak tree. God, give me an oak tree. And God gives you an acorn. You go, that wasn't what I was planning on. He said, work it. Work it. I've given you in that acorn everything you need for an oak tree. Work it. And the Bible tells you if your faith is living, you're trying to see what size it is, but God's trying to get you to focus on what it's made out of. If it came from God, if your faith is relying upon God, and it's contingent upon God, and it, again, the source was the Lord, and it's a living faith, you can speak to a mountain, be thou removed, and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Your faith can't be theory. It must be experiential, alive and organic in your life. It can't be history. It must be present. Listen to this in Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Not yesterday faith is. Not tomorrow faith is. Now faith is. If you don't have faith for your today, you don't have faith. Now faith is. This this mustard seed is in my hand now. It's alive. And if I put it in the right environment, if I put it in the ground and I cover it and water and sunlight hits it, it will burst open and that which God put inside of it will grow into something visible. And if you have faith and you put it in the soil of your heart and you water it with praise and worship and, and, and confidence, that thing will grow up and it will be evidenced in your life. It will show up in your life. It can't be historical. It must be present. Number three, you can't be powerful without a bold confession. Matthew 17, 20. You shall speak to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible to you. Your pastor is very careful not to fall into the excesses of Certain hyper-spiritual, hyper-charismatic doctrines like to the extreme the doctrine of confession means that if I say something, I have the same creative power of God that he has and I make things happen. No, not true, not true. But having said that, confession is critical to your success because the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you're, if you're going, if your wife and you are talking, you're always saying, we're never going to have nothing. Well, that's your reality. You're never going to have anything. We're never going to, we're never going to be in love like we thought we would be. Then that's your reality. As a man thinketh in his heart, it doesn't say he will become, it says he is. So is he. Out of the abundance of a man's heart, his mouth speaks. Life and death are found in the power of the tongue. I can tell your future by what you're saying today. Jesus said, if you believe and your faith comes from me and it's living and it's organic and it's buried, you can walk up to mountains 
and pray that that mountain will be removed. That isn't what he said. There is a time to pray and there's a time to speak. Don't get them confused. I am to call upon the name of the Lord. I'm to petition him in the name of Jesus. And I'm to ask him for certain things. But when there are obstacles in my way, sometimes you're waiting on God to do something he's waiting on you to do. How, what does that look like? That looks like going in your teenager's room. And I know they have privacy laws now. We didn't have none of those, but it's private. It's private. When they're not in there and you kneel at their bed, And you push back the forces of their middle school and their high school. And you say, I speak over my boy. He will live and not die. He will reflect the image of the Lord Jesus. He will be anointed by God's spirit. He will be a light that shines in dark places. I speak over him God's intentions and plans. I speak to this mountain that says he's going to be like every other teenager. This mountain that's taller than me, that looms over me, acting as if it were God in my life. You are not God. You did not create my boy. God created my boy. You speak. Well, that looks foolish. How's the other way working for you? I speak over my little girls. Kelly and I, we almost every day we'll be in the den and we'll play worship music. And they like gospel music because I play gospel music to them. And Olivia will just clap and I said, we are praisers. My little girls praise the Lord. And already their little hands are going up. Already they're, they're clapping. They don't even know it, but they're, I'm speaking to their spirit. We love the word of God. We, Isabel, we love the Lord Jesus. Well, that's foolishness. To you it might be. I'm speaking what I believe to be true. Now, does that mean that they're now exempt and they're going to walk six inches above the ground and nothing's going to touch them in middle school? No, they're going to experience rebellion, uh, teenage years, craziness. They'll probably look me in the face. You're ruining my life. They're probably going to do all of that. (laughs) Probably got all that ahead of me. We need a little testosterone in the house. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, just a little bit, just a little bit. What are you saying to your situation? Well, I'm just asking the Lord. That isn't what he said. There's a place for prayer and there's a place for confession. Listen, you can't have power without bold confession. It is your declaration of what you believe and what you desire. And of course, God has the final say. Of course, we couple that with prayer. But are you spending your time praying about your mountain exclusively? Are you doing both? Here's what your pastor would say. Cover your mountain in prayer and then go one-on-one with it. The scripture. Say to this mountain, not to the God of the mountain, to this mountain. Remove hence to yonder place and it will obey you and nothing will be impossible to you. Number four. You can't be powerful without being a person of prayer. They said, why couldn't we cast them out? Jesus said, why couldn't we cast this demon out of this boy? Now, these disciples had already cast demons out of many people. And Jesus said, now this kind. I just think that's so humorous. This kind. Go without but by prayer and fasting. Has anybody else in the last year tangled with a this kind? What worked last year? You say you're a little little prayer over it and you go, you know, I rebuke you and the devil don't buke. And you go, "Mm, I'll be right back. (laughs) This kind, 
of rebellion. This kind of opposition, this kind of depression. There are people in this room, you're battling with things today you've never battled with before. They've never been issues. And they are stronger than you and tactics that worked on the last thing aren't working on this thing. So if Jesus has recorded this passage for us, is he saying that those previous tactics were not God-ordained? Not at all. He's saying this is a different level of difficulty. And you're going to have to separate yourself and become a person of prayer. Not praying about it, be a person of prayer. So that that, the, the Spirit of God in you will rise. The level will rise. And while you're doing it, stop eating. What do you mean? I don't mean not eat at all. Push away, from, push away from the table, whether it's one meal a day or two meals a day or for several days. Deny your flesh. Tell your flesh no so your spirit can have supremacy. And you know, there's all these kind of fasts out now. There's Daniel fast and Daniel fast about kill me. I can't, I can't eat three nuts and a piece of lettuce. I can't just, here, have a sunflower seed. I just rather not eat. I just don't eat. When I fast, when your pastor fast, I just don't eat. I just, you know, to take a piece of cabbage and rub it on the outside of your lip, that ain't, that's just going to make me hit somebody. <laughs> but the word fast, if you look at what fasting truly means, it's no food. And what does your body do? It screams. When I fast, I dream about food. I do. I dream about cheeseburgers and french fries and my flesh is saying, no, 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 no. We must be God. Give us food. And you're telling your body, you're not Lord in this situation. My spirit man needs to be raised. Food supplies your natural man. Abstaining from foods and pleasures uh, gives nutrients to your spiritual man. And for these seasons, don't, don't fast every day. I ain't eating 12 weeks. You're going to die. You're going to die. And you're mean. Your wife don't want to live it. Your dog left. Everybody's left. But when you experience this kind, Jesus said, you asked why it's not working for you, why there's no power. Well, you had power yesterday, but this kind is going to take a different level of consecration and separation and prayer and fasting. Deny yourself. Build up your spiritual reserves. This journey's too great for you. And some of you, this is your answer. You're saying, I'm trying and I don't have enough power. Because this kind is different than the last kind. And you need to build up your spiritual man through disciplines and consecration and prayer. Ben, if you'd come here for me. You can't be powerful without consecration. Samson learned that you can't be powerful with your head in the lap of someone that wants to destroy you. You can't live a double life and be powerful. Lot would tell you, you can't be powerful living in the gates of the wicked. Lot lived in Sodom and Gomorrah and his righteous soul was vexed every day. Did, did Lot survive Sodom? Yes. Lost his wife. Later lost his daughters, really produced Ammon and Moab. See, you can survive living carnal, but you lose stuff. He lost his influence. He lost his power, his effectiveness, his fruitfulness. You can't be powerful living in Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is hard for us to live in this day and age, in this world, 
with access to the media that we have access to and live holy. But one of the reasons we're powerless is because of the mixture in our heart. You can't listen to what you're listening to all week and be powerful. I'm not soapbox preaching. I'm telling you mysteries, secrets that are openly revealed in the word. Lot had no power. Samson lost his power. And just like Achan, you can't be powerful while living in sin. The mighty army of Israel Israel, that was turning away nations was beaten by this little village called Ai. And Joshua was like, what's wrong? Why can't we win? He said, because there's sin here. And they tracked down this buried gold and buried Babylonian garments. Babylonian garments and he, Achan had stolen from the Lord. And they couldn't even win battles. Our powerlessness is in direct correlation to our choices. So you have the choice. All these other Christians, I'm just going to say it. Listen to it. Watch it. Drink it. And you're taking your cues from them and listen to your pastor. I love you enough to tell you the truth. You'll fit in with them, but them are powerless Christians. Powerless Christians. There has to be a level of separation that you determine for your life. A level of consecration. I will not do that. Go there. Watch that. I'm not going to do that. And a part of self-denial that you choose. And from that, power. Power. When my little girls are sick, I don't want to have to play catch up. I want to go in that room and lay my hands on my little girl and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, be well. Be well. I tell the Lord when I pray, oftentimes I'll say, you know, you took my sins. Make me sick. Take it from them. But I don't want to be bargaining when I have authority and power. Does that mean I can heal my little girl when I want to? No, but it means I'm connected to the one that can. Unlimited. Anything's possible to the one that believeth. Power. And finally, you become powerless when you take your eyes off of Jesus. Simon Peter steps out of a boat at God's invitation. Jesus said, come. He had asked him, if it's you, tell me I can come. He said, come. And he's doing the impossible. And the moment he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. We become powerless when we become self-sufficient. You know, it's one of the first things our kids are doing. No, and I'll do this. I, I do it. They can't even articulate the words and they're already done. No, Olivia go, no. Like, who are you telling no? That little independent. Now there's a part of that. It's good. They learn how to do stuff on their own. But the more power you exert in your life, the more powerless you are in God. Just put your eyes back on the Lord. And if you put your eyes back on the Lord, you can get back to doing things that are supernatural. Things that you couldn't do before. Things that other people still can't do. But you got to look at the Lord. You got to look at the Lord. Would you give me just three minutes to talk to you from my heart? Just not that I haven't been, but outside of the sermon. Outside of the sermon. Why don't we see it? Why don't we see it? 
And I'm not talking about just blind eyes open and deaf ears open. I'm talking about that divine pulse, that essence of God, that when we speak, people feel the Lord. Why, why don't we see, we see the love? We hear the verses, we sing the songs, but isn't part of God power? Just straight up, out the gate, shut your mouth, power that just comes from the believer. Come here, take me by the hand. In Jesus' name, and you just feel, you sense the Lord. Maybe it's because, maybe it's because we're not consecrated enough. Maybe it's because we're double-minded. Maybe it's because of unbelief. I don't know. But I offer this to you as individuals and among the people in this church that make up Christ Chapel and those that are joining us on Sunday nights praying for our church. Jesus said, if your faith is living, if it's as small as half of your pinky nail, if it's in you and you work it, you can move mountains. And nothing shall be out of range. My prayer for our church is that we would walk into a day of true power that does not glorify the vessel. It's God flowing through us to situations and events for His glory. There are people that all they want is God's power and God saying, won't you express to this generation my love and my goodness? Let's not be the local body that expresses love and goodness and doesn't show the power. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you bow your heads with me this morning for just a moment? I always want us to be able to respond. Are you powerful in the Lord? Are you the one that says, I I don't want that. I just want to be not seen and just behind. That's not what this is about. Do you reflect the power of the Lord? Do you believe? Would you pray with me individually this morning as we do collectively that this expression of God's nature would be seen in our individual lives and in the life of this church? Would you do that? Would you pray this morning?
with no one looking around. If you're in this room and you say, Pastor John, I'm away from the Lord. I'm not walking with him. Maybe you're a backslider or maybe you've never believed. But the Bible said as many as believed on them, he gave them power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. He said, I'm believing for that power to reach my life today. Power to forgive me. Give me a redo and a restart. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up and put it right back down? God bless you. 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 Saints, would you look this way one more time? It's not even 12 yet, and I'm not trying to draw service out. But is there anybody that really has to have a miracle this morning? That you don't, I don't even need to know what it is. It just, it would grieve my heart that if I preached something like this and did not give us a chance to corporately express our faith and our belief, whether it's physical or marital or whatever, if, if that's you, I want you to just come stand at the front. We're going to pray and you're going to be able to go home this morning. If you need, you really need, only the Lord can help you. Your God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in you. It works in you. Glory to God. Now those with faith, those that believe, I want you to come stand with them. Guy with a guy, girl with a girl, couples with couples. Come stand around them. Come stand around them. Put your hand on them and begin to pray. Saints, you're being surrounded by people that believe. Two of you agree as to touching any one thing, whatever you ask, God will do it. And we're believing with you and for you. We're believing with you and for you. Somebody come and make your way to the front here. Just weave through people and put your hands on these people with no one praying with them. Like I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you this morning. Nothing's impossible to the Lord. Nothing's impossible to the Lord. To that womb that cannot have children, I speak in the name of Jesus. Be opened. To that man with no seed, I speak that seed would come from you to bring forth a child. For that destroyed relationship, I speak healing in the name of Jesus. For that wife that does not have affection for her husband but longs to have such. May your heart be rekindled and be reborn in the name of Jesus. To that man that wants to provide for his family worse than anything else and all the doors are closed. Be open in the name of Christ so that this man can take care of his family. In the name of Jesus. For the glory of the Lord. For the glory of the Lord. And nothing shall be impossible to you. Nothing shall be impossible to you. Nothing shall be impossible to you. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Nothing shall be impossible to you if you have faith, living faith. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. 
I heard it in my spirit again. I told you help was on the way. I told you it was on the way. Glory to God. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Those in the altar, would you look this way? I just want to speak a blessing over you before you go. Okay? There's no more power in my blessing than any other Christians, except I'm your pastor. And it's a structure that God set up. So I speak over you that God would grant you the desires of your heart. Like water that finds the lowest place that God's power would find your deepest need. That your eyes would be fixed on the Lord Jesus. That you would speak forth what you believe in your situation. And that you would see mountains, obstacles removed. And get out of your way so that you might glorify God in private and in public. And you will speak these testimonies. To the glory of the Son of God. You shall receive power. After the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power. According to the power that worketh in you. So work it. Stir up the gift that's within you. And believe God for the impossible. Because with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.